talked about many times, there are uh, countless styles of play, countless appetites and goals. Um, how old were you when you realized that the staple game that you were playing through through accident wasn't exactly what you wanted? When did you start recognizing, hey, I want X instead of Y? And then how did that evolve through the years for you? I think the the, the short answer is almost immediately. Um, there's a number of points in my gaming history because I've thought about this a lot recently. I've been working, you, you know, if anyone listens to my podcast, they'll they'll have heard over the last three years me wrestle myself to the ground and figure out what I want. And really recently, I mean, we're talking in the last two months, this is really crystallized for me. But if I look back, I can see the pattern of behavior leading, do you know what I mean, through. So, for example, I started playing um, Traveller with some friends. That's when I first, how I started playing. And I enjoyed Traveller. It was great fun. Um, but I stole my dad's copy of RuneQuest, the box set, second edition RuneQuest box. Uh, dad was hearing about role-playing games. He was a war gamer, so he bought a copy of it. He opened it up. He looked for it and went, he couldn't get his head around it as far as I can tell. And he's like, oh, this is crap. Threw it on the side. I stole the box. I went upstairs and I, and I, you know, it was like magic to me. I've blogged about it. I've spoken about it many times. It was absolutely like magic to me. Um, but every time I was trying to engage my friends in this conversation about this, incredible fantastical thing that was going on in my head most of them weren't kind of getting where i was coming from at all and i recognized that very early um, but i kept playing with a group and we played um, a lot of different stuff over the years and then i met when we got into like sixth form so we're talking about 87 um you know i've been playing by this time for somewhere between eight and ten years it's hard to be entirely sure um you know we started playing when we were very young in middle school um 87, I went into sixth form and we met a couple of new games. And these guys were what you would define as the power gamer. They were interested in, you know, like really how could they ramp up uh, their character and show off their abilities and sure. um, all that sort of stuff. So that moved me even further away from what I wanted. I realized that, you know, um, went to uni in 1989, stopped playing essentially, met a few different people through the years who were interested in gaming, kept, kept kind of like reading and doing bits, but never really getting a game until I left. Um, about 94 I started working for GW so I got an old game in here and there but really nothing until probably until 98 when I settled down here in Nottingham and um, you know I went to a D&D club or the D&D club in Nottingham at the time and played in a bit of Dungeons and Dragons 2nd edition and um, you know it was alright but it wasn't what I wanted so I started running a game I said to you I started running Alternity um, and that was great because I suddenly was evoking the world around, you know, the, the, the characters and the players were engaging with that world in a way that I not experienced in a very, very long while. And then, like I said, on and off through the years, I had these little moments where I find some players who kind of click with that invocation of, of the world because that's what fundamentally I want. The character in the world is what's important to me. Um and, and then through over time, I've realized that there are various variations on that. Um, and there are various labels that people stick on all this stuff. Um, but I try to be, you know, the gamist part of me. I have this wargamer background. So I have this gamist part of me, if we can use that term, which I could really enjoy, um, but which is as happy playing a tabletop war game or, I don't know, a board game as it is playing a role-playing game, right? That yeah. There's... 
that element of playing playing a role playing game as a board game can be a lot of fun is a lot of fun but it's still a war game uh you know board game or whatever um so the i suppose the epitome of that is something like steve jackson's malay and wizard uh you know what became the fantasy trip because you know that starts off as like literally a, on the hexagons chit and and dice you know arena fat fighting game basically and that's good fun so I can do that. Um, I tried narrativism, the whole kind of like, we're going to tell the story. Um, but what I noticed in narrativism is that the world gets second shrift, essentially. You know, like the characters are usually caricatures, cinematically usually framed caricatures um, with very little depth to them, which is why I find TV and film less satisfying, you know. Um um, but the world gets like very little attention. Um, and I really noticed this most recently. I was reading Monty Cook, who's like, you know, your best game ever, his book. And he and it takes something like half the book before he mentions the setting. Um, you know, it's kind of like a an almost a byline and a background, you know, how are you gonna be a GM and eventually we get to the setting. And it's like to me, that's where I start. I want to, you know, come back to that RuneQuest box set. Glorantha was invoked in the first couple of pages, this world, this amazingly fantastic world. Um, and I was drawn into that. Yeah. So, and, and any game that just doesn't do that, um, for me, kind of just becomes a mechanical exercise and it becomes a gamist, turns that head on. Um, so, yeah, what I want is the world. And, and what I find is people are just not as interested in that generally um, as I thought they would be. So I, the label people stick on it is simulationism, but I always feel like that's sort of, I don't know, wrong. <laughs> uh, it doesn't quite get there, you know, and it's, but for me, it's this deep, uh, to go to the 15 different um, uh, words that I've used over the years for different bits and bobs, there's there's eight labels that in the MDNA theory of uh computer gaming talk about the engagements the eight engagements and i realized that challenge is one of them but fantasy is perhaps the one that's the least fed but the strongest desire for me and what that means the fantasy is the evocation of the fantastic you know and to enter that fantastic work and um and like i said in the last two months i've really managed to articulate it um to myself and i think that's the hardest thing isn't it to figure out your appetite um i always complain about how players don't know what they want because it's true. We don't know what we want. And we're terrible at figuring out what we want. We actually need help. I, I kind of think there's a need for a game of therapy, you know, to sit down and, <laughs> and like play some different things and, and, and be observed. You know what I mean? So that someone can sit there and go, well, you know what we've observed is we've observed this, this, and this, and this, and this, and we think you should try this and then see what happens. You know, and I also think we should have this gaming experimentation approach, you know, where we, we try stuff out and if it doesn't work, that's okay. Um, yeah. But we need to pay attention to when things really gel and we engaged, you know, our engagement rockets and, and use all of that. So yeah, I don't know if that answers the question. I, it's always been there. I've always felt dissatisfied. Um, but there are moments um, when I played uh, Rollmaster. I thought it was because I was playing Rollmaster in the Mines of Moria. But um, this is the most memorable game I've ever had. Uh, when Goriel Swift, my little hobbit uh, thief, got into battle with the, the Balrog in this ridiculous scene. Um, <laughs> but actually, I was we played 24 hour role play games for a charity and I was utterly focused for the whole 24 hours, like in the realm of Moria. And I don't think it was because it, 
it, it was anything more than just really evocative. And the GM was an amazing job of evoking the the claustrophobic, dark, doom laden, goblin hall field. You know, horrible kind of environment. Um, and we played through. You know, getting from one side to the other. Um, in, in you know, with a, a great a conflict with the Balrog in the middle, and it's the most memorable game. Why? Because he evoked the world. You know, and. Yeah. And, and at that point, I'll be honest, I'd not even read The Lord of the Rings. So it certainly wasn't <laughs> like my nostalgia for the novel. It was, right. he did an amazing job, you know, yeah. of evoking that place. So um, when you think about existing groups that are out there, um, what keeps people from having the conversations that are necessary? Oh, I should back up. Some groups don't care um, about the actual gaming experience. It's purely uh, social night. It's movie night, and they don't care what movie's on. So just talking about the ones who do care about the quality of the movie or the kind of movie they want to watch, what keeps those people from having the conversations and doing the work to eliminate what they don't want and to move toward what they do want? I think the first thing is impatience. So every time I sort of say, hey, can we just talk about like what we want from the game, what kind of game we want to run, you immediately run up against people who we've just been, we trained ourselves to like, no, the way you start a game is, it's kind of like a formula to it that's just wrong. Um, it's a kind of, the GM proposes a game system. The players and the GM probably agree on a world and then they roll up characters and then they sort of start play. Right. And I think this is entirely backwards. What we want to do is we want to start with sort of talking about what kind of game we want in terms of the game experience, not as in game rules, which set of purchase rules are we going to buy and, and run with? What I mean is the overall game experience, what we're seeking. We should discuss that and talk about that. And we should talk about what's on and off the table in that regard. And then we should think about the world that we want to play within, what setting do we want to go for, what kind of, you know, and then what characters does that suggest, you know? Yeah. And then when we've built the characters, the GM should probably go away and build the thing, you know, that they're going to play, the, the everything they require for the, the first session. And then they should come back and play. And then the Along the way, we should probably stop every now and then and go, how's it going? How do we feel? Do we want to change anything? Do we want to tweak anything? And, and I also think we should absolutely be fluid about which set of mechanical rules we use, and which we're not. We tend to go with, like you say, what do you want to play to most people? And they say, they'll name a game. I want to play some D&D, or I want to play GURPS, or I want to play Cypher System, or I want to play, I don't know, Barbarians and Lemuria, or I want to play, you know, that's what you get. You don't get a discussion about like actually the the world or the kind of play really everything's evoked by the name of a product why i think because we've been trained to buy products and play them not for very long to buy another one and to play that not for very long there's an industry here that wants us to behave in a certain way and it's become kind of socially acceptable that you play in that kind of way where you just sort of you know, somebody says, hey, let's play this. And we'll go, yay. And then we turn up and we write some characters and we play for a bit. But nobody's going to play for any length of time because we don't have time for that, really. Yeah, I, I, that's that's the big thing. So we're all impatient. You know, when I say to someone, hey, you know, can I interview you in character? Can I have a conversation with you about your character and your character? And not like uh, to essentially get a big backstory, but just to ask some basic fundamental questions about like motivation and 
what kind of person your character is and how they're different from you as a human being and you know like what they want in the world what the short term medium what short term medium term and long term goals might your character have is a question i've asked many times and been told with can we just start <laughs> this idea that rolling up a character the idea that actually having um, a session where you talk about this stuff isn't really a session it's a session zero it's not really playing. Rubbish. It's absolutely playing. The minute we sat down at the table, we started playing. Playing is this act of interaction where we create something together and we, you know, we, we start to evoke the whole the whole role-playing thing, right? Session zero to me is an abomination. Um, that's the first time I've said that on air. Um, it's session <laughs> one. It's absolutely session one. And session one yeah. and two and three and four might even be necessary. It why don't we have subsessions if you like where i go off with you and we game a bit one-on-one -on -one for a while and get to know your character while i'm also as a gm gaming with them over there for a while yeah. you know why, why not do that and get to know the characters and then bring them together you know yeah that, on that's it. exactly what i do uh, <laughs> i never start a group and here we are and we go it's always several solo sessions with that person um sometimes many sometimes 10 sessions it all depends um and then we integrate and the difference is just night and day mm. otherwise I, I, it, it shifts right into board gaming for me yeah and, I, and nobody will do this i mean i'm starting to trying to pull together a game at the moment i've got a couple of players that will come on saturday night to, to talk about it and it's really hard i mean i'm i'm fighting my own habits right i'm this is the first time I'm really doing this for myself like insisting i want to do it the way i want to do it and even i can't Bring myself to rock up on Saturday with nothing. I keep feeling like, you know, oh, I should bring something. We should be rolling dice, you know. It's like, no, why can't we just actually have a conversation about yeah. why you hear them? They all want to. They all want to play in a longer term game. They want to play with me and my table. I've been asking them about like the sort of. I start with technology level actually because I'm quite open, and they've they've done the reasonably predictable thing of picking kind of an iron age technology, which is great for me. That's absolutely ideal for me. They're my kind of genre of fantasy. Um, but by removing the name of a, a game product like DD, I've also removed all of the baggage that comes with that. It's just, let's talk about like a technological level for society that your, your character is going to be within. And then let's start talking about the kind of world that we want to be in and what kind of stuff we want to do. How weird do you want this to be? How magical do you want it to be? You know, those kind of questions um, really important. And I think what we, what we tend to do is turn up the table with all this baggage. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like pre-packaged genre stuff in our head that's been sold to us. And, you know, I sit behind me with stacks and stacks of products that I just realized I don't really need at all, you know. <laughs> um, so that's the first thing. It's kind of incredible impatience wrapped up with this sort of like habit we have of how we go about like you know the quick way of getting to the table because everybody's got not enough time you know everybody's rushed you know nobody uh this is this is just fun so we don't take it seriously right i mean i get accused all the time of taking my fun way you know my my enjoyment is way too serious chill out you know it's just a game no it's not just a game <laughs> it's like it's not just a game this is like a it could be so much more um yeah and i've been talking recently about the sort of difference between the finite and the infinite game is an idea. This, we have so packaged up our games into finite little boxes of we're going to play for two hours in a one shot or four hours in a one shot, and or we're going to play this six session game or 
you know, whatever. Um, it's, you know, we're going to play this genre with only these things and this set of rules and that's how we're going to do it. And uh, I know, I just think there's more possibility. That's all. So the reason why I think we don't get to the conversation is because we never have time um, and we don't ask the question. And then, of course, we're afraid to ask the question. So if I ask the question, like, what do you really want out of a game? Someone will look at me and go, what do you mean, what do I want out of my game? You know, I want, I want, I want what I want out of my game. I want a good game. And then you get into what, what makes a good game and you start realizing that none of us can agree on that. Um, but there are some things in common. I think the last thing I wanted to say on it as well is we're all too afraid to say this isn't probably for you. I, I, I'm recently, I mean, again, the last year or so, come to the conclusion that there are a lot of things out there in the world that I don't like. And the reason I don't like them is because they weren't made for me and that's okay. You know what I mean? Like, so if it's a film I don't like, well, it wasn't made for me. So I don't get to get angry about it. I don't get to get like dismissive of it. People who like it aren't weird. They're just people who that was made for, you know, and it came to the same with my hobby. Like there are certain games that I can offer that are for some people and they're not for others really. And it's not like because they're a bad person or because there's some sort of like, you know, not up to it or anything like that. It's just because taste wise and in terms of what we're interested in and the way our brains work all individually that I, what thing i'm offering right now isn't for that person and that's okay um and i think like it's this this lack in our world of accepting that there's way more diversity than we we want to admit you know and uh, just because i don't i mean you know so someone asked me the other day what i thought of like the star wars the most recent star wars movies and i'm pretty scathing about the last one um i've been all right up until the last one and i was talking about it and then i kind of said but it's okay because it wasn't made for me you know like, episode four was made for me episode five was definitely made for me after that it's been going downhill it wasn't really made for me um anymore like whoever was making that wasn't making something that I wanted to see and that's okay. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense. And I think when it comes to the table, we should be open to go, right, what I'm looking for is this kind of thing. Is that what you're offering? And if it isn't, that's okay. <laughs> you know, like I would rather, I'm getting to the point rapidly where I'd rather not play than play a game that I don't want to play. Um, but that does mean that a lot of people I really love and, and, and on a personal level really enjoy spending time with uh, might be better for me just to be on Discord chat or on Zoom and having a chat with them than trying to play a game that I don't really want to play. And that's painful, actually, because this hobby, we've built a lot of our identity around we're gamers and we all play together and we stick together. Um, and we're all kind of the same uh, when we're not at all. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, One of the things I think may be like rooted in a good motivation, but ends up going sour is the idea of, like you just mentioned, we're all gamers and we game together. So we're going to drop down to the lowest common denominator just to not hurt Bob's feelings. Mm. Um, but the problem is, is that it is a recipe for dissatisfaction for everyone, including Bob. Mm. <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I have friends who they keep playing with people because they don't want to hurt their feelings. Mm. They're not having fun. 
the other people, it, it's kind of like uh, they're committing some sin by saying, let's not play role-playing games together. Let's go have mm. a beer or let's play a war game or let's play poker, whatever. And it, I think if people learn to jettison that baggage, that there would be a lot more happiness, a lot more satisfaction. I think there's a lot to be said for that. I think um, a lot of it's bound up in our past experience as well. So I, I have a friend, um, you know, who uh, started playing with me when his group essentially kicked him out. They didn't kick him out. They didn't have the guts to kick him out. What they did is they just told him the game was coming to an end. They moved venue and didn't tell him where they were playing and when they were playing. And, of course, he found out about it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, because one of the players was his roommate, um, and so it wasn't hard, you know. <laughs> but what did he feel? He felt really strong rejection. And then obviously, uh, you know, what I'm aware of, and I think we're all aware of this, uh, a number of the people in our gaming community, me included, are damaged goods. You know, we are like psychologically hurt, you know, broken in some kind of way. As a kid, I was horrendously bullied uh, at school, you know, and by I had a parents who were like pretty mean and brutal as well, to be fair. My dad really probably would be arrested for child abuse if it is happening now, you know? Um, but we came through all of that, but, you know, and, and in some ways our banding together as a group of gamers was part of our identity and who we are. So it's really hard to turn around to my buddy, Bob, you know, our mythical Bob and go, Hey Bob, you know, you and I don't want the same thing. Uh, let's not game together because that's the thing we have in common. Right. But actually it might be more helpful. You're absolutely right to say to Bob, Hey, why don't you come around and have a beer and chat? Maybe we'll watch some movies or play some computer games or something else. Do you know what I mean? Uh, rather than play this role-playing game thing. Um, but of course the minute we do start a role-playing game with another group of people, is Bob going to feel hurt and upset about that? Probably. Why? Because we have this really unhealthy in a relationship with our like our psychological issues uh, again i think culturally we're not talking about this and um it's interesting as i go into like preparing for you know november coming up where i'm talking about i'm concerned about men's mental health and the biggest problem we have as men is we don't talk to each other about how we're feeling about stuff you know and um this is a you know <laughs> massive increase in in suicide in men especially between 25 and 34 why apparently because they're just not talking to each other um so actually wouldn't it be healthy if we sat down and just talked about the movies we like the tv shows we like the games we liked what we want um and try to like band people together with people who are going to enjoy gaming and at the same time do other things with our buddies, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, and I'm back to those. You know, I think in some ways these teenagers I'm gaming with are a lot healthier because they're the ones who have role-playing and they have their, their know, acting class and they have their music and they, they hang out with their mates and, you know, play whatever other games as well as their role-playing game thing, you know, but I don't know, somehow I went and invested all my identity in, you know, this kind of sub genre of this subculture um yes it's dangerous it's painful at times but um i don't know i, th I do think that if we're really friends with people we're going to be honest and um i think if we really care about people sometimes we have to turn around and say this isn't for you or at least what i'm doing isn't for you you know or maybe it isn't for you um I've taken the route of not excluding, but being trying to be increasingly clear about what I do want and what I'm trying to do so that people vote with their feet. <laughs> you know, it's a case of it is okay not to take part. Um, yeah. Of course, then people leave and I get all insecure, but, you know, that's my problem, right? Um, and again, I'm quite happy to be open about that because I think we should admit 
these things. You know, I, I get when players bail on my game and they it's fine. And they usually make the excuse of, oh, I've got this commitment, that commitment, the other commitment. But the truth is that it's probably not for them. They're not enjoying it as much as they want. And they're just bailing. Um, and that's okay. I think just turning around and saying to someone, you know, the game you're running is fine, but it's not the kind of game I want to play. Yeah. We have to get we have to get comfortable with saying that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So can you um kind of briefly outline what your ideal uh role playing experience would be? Like generally speaking, what do you what are you sure you want and what are you sure you don't want? All right. So it's easy to say what you don't want, isn't it? I don't want to spend two thirds of my session wrangling mecha- mechanisms and, and that sort of stuff. Um, so most of the games I'm playing at the moment, even with rules like games, we spend an awful lot of time talking about this die roll, this modifier, this thing going on and what's the rule for that and what's the spell description say and, and all that sort of stuff. I don't want to do that. I want to spend my time, um, one or two things really it's either focused on my character if i'm playing the character i'm playing and what my character is is thinking trying to evoke what they're feeling within myself and then act appropriately in role and i don't mean act as in like you know put on the silly voice and and you know all the rest of it i don't i'm not going down the voice acting route um i just mean act in role, like make decisions based on the role of the character, which is the heart of role playing. The second thing I really want is a world that's evoked, you know, descriptively and which I can explore. I want depth. So I'm quite happy to spend time exploring some small part of the world in quite minute detail, actually, Um, especially if it's filled with lots of interesting, like bits of information, lore and stuff like that. Um, I'm of the view that, you know, you should have multiple layers of information within, you know, any location. Um, I, when I'm interacting with NPCs, I want to have a conversation, I want to be able to have the conversation in character as much as possible. And I want to discover an NPC who has their own motivations and, and are doing things for reasons that make really good sense. Um, what I don't want to have to spend time doing is, um, you know, again, being pulled out of all of that to work on some obscure bit of the game rules. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm not, I love game rules. Don't get me wrong. I can play all of that. And one of the reasons perhaps I'm a GM is because I, I do enjoy wrangling it. But as a player, that's not what I want. The interesting is I'm more of a GM than I'm a player. So what do I want as a GM? I want to provide that experience for people. Now, I've been told that this is incredibly patriarchal. Um, and I've been told that this is, you know, incredibly condescending as well by some people in the past. But hey, whatever. Um, I want to offer a world that has that depth and NPCs that have motivation and offer you the opportunity to bring your character into that world and spend time in character and in role and not have to you have to wrangle with your rules for like two thirds of the session. So um, if that's like somehow condescending and patriarchal, well, I'm sorry, maybe this game isn't for you and that's okay. <laughs> I don't even, you know, I don't even you know. see the logic. How could that be patriarchal? But well, it's the idea that I know better. You see, the complaint is that I'm saying I know better. I know what my players want. And of course, maybe the players who are saying that don't want those things. So of course I'm wrong, you know, because if you don't, if you want to turn up and you want to play D and D, for example, and you want to use, um, you know, a, a map and a board and chits, and you want to have your character sheet in front of you, and you want to, you want to like be thinking, what power am I using next? 
um, and you're thinking in that mechanistic kind of way, then no, you don't want to play with me. Uh, I can do that. I can do it really well. I've done it really well for a number of years, but I don't want to do that. You know, that's not what I want to run. I get bored as GM, you know, so I can, I have, there's a bit of fun in running the NPCs, the goblins, I can make them all do what, you know, and gang up on you. And I can, I can ace the rules like anybody. Right. But it's not what I want to play. What I wanted to do is introduce you to my little goblin King and their retinue um, who have an agenda. Um, And I want to describe to you this incredible environment. Now, what I'm saying is I think that there are a number of people out there. That's not what they want at all. They just want to, you know, they do want to play a board game, which is essentially a role-playing game. Well, maybe they want to tell a story. So I don't really want to tell a story in the sense of, you know, I've got a novel that I want to write um, or right. I'm not even, I'm not even interested in it having kind of narrative structure um, and all of that kind of stuff. I'm interested in your character and interacting with the world and the NPCs within the world, and let's see what happens. And I think that there's more to emerge what emerges from that than people realise. Um, and uh, yes, there are ways in which I can I can narratively twist things, but that's not my primary concern. My primary concern is what it would believably happen. You know, what might be the um, if you do that? What's the believable most reasonable consequence positive or negative i'm interested in see fundamentally i think i'm interested in consequences on a personal level um and i very rarely see interesting consequences in people's gaming you know um beyond oh you took six points of damage (laughs) you know um I'm not, and not to belittle any of that because, you know, I played that way for a very long while and I play yeah. that way. I see teams playing that way, for example, as many start out and it's fine. Uh, and many people are very happy with that. That's the mainstream. What I've realized is that, you know, um, the mainstream of D&D, if you like, isn't where I want to be. And um, so I'm saying, no, no I want to sort of go off on this this bit here, which is really about invoking world and character, I think. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't a brief answer, but that was the answer. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I mean, what comes to mind is how how sad it is that there are lots of people who they from their gut they know what they want and don't want, but they can't uh, like articulate it and they don't discuss it. And and then sadly, whenever they do start discussing it, we lack uh, a consensus of terminology and categories and then it turns into just like pointless squibbling and it makes no sense at all like if i like watching you know austin powers um that i'm not making a judgment call on someone else's taste for hating austin powers it's just but but we don't have the uh we don't have a philosophical paradigm whenever these things come up and we desperately need it if we care about the kind of thing we're playing and we don't and so i mean it's it's really stupid that the kinds of arguments that that are predominant of course social media they the the owners of the company want us fighting and so we're indoctrinated to to have pissing contests and so um 
the the cure is 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 not in front of us there certainly now i think the thing with role playing as well is, is it's largely invisible i mean putting aside critical role and other um actual play podcasts out there right um i've yet to really come across a, a natural play podcast that i really enjoy uh, the nearest i get to it is is um john's tale of the manticore which is a solo blend of you know, his his sort of dark fantasy writing and playing sort of D and D BX, his modified version of that as a solo game, um, you know, just him. Um, but what what I like about it is he's deeply invoking a world and characters. And um, the bits I get bored with is actually when he gets into a combat scene and it starts becoming dice rolls. And 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 over time, he's got better at actually abbreviating the description of that as well in his podcast, right? So I would be happiest if it was, I knew that John was rolling dice and occasionally I might even hear him roll them, but he doesn't spend a lot of time talking about it, you know? And that's that's kind of cool. Most of the time though, what I'm getting is the sort of main, what I can look at is this sort of mainstream thing where people are being encouraged to uh, play in a very, um, that, that classical kind of minis and maps approach combined with a heck of a lot of voice acting you know, and kind of, and then there's some sort of tomfoolery and silliness around generally in, in the group kind of dynamic. There isn't a role model for what I'm talking about um, because the kind of people who would probably play in that way probably wouldn't make an actual pay podcast to start with, um, you know, because they're way too busy running this really detailed game. But the other thing is it's probably so few of us relatively who are actually doing that. It's really out on the edge. But the other thing is that um, I feel like... If if you and I are talking about movies, I can you can say to me I liked Austin Powers, and I can go and watch Austin Powers, and I can then come back and go, oh yeah, I like that, and I liked it because of that and that and that and that and that, and I didn't like this and this and this and this. And we can have a conversation about something tangible that's out there, right? Same with music or with any other form of art. But when it comes to role playing games, it's very hard unless we experience it together, unless we sit in the room together and we play, um, to actually then go, yeah, I liked that, but I didn't like that. You know, we don't tend to do that as players. We tend to have a game and we all go dead polite. Yeah, that was fine. It was great. Awesome game. And then we don't talk about it anymore. Right. And I'm feeling that what we should be doing is turning up with a group and saying, like, I'm trying to do this. Let's play a bit. And then we should stop. But like I said to you, have a session where it's like, okay, last two or three sessions, how's it been? Um, how are we doing? Are we getting there? What do you and don't you like? And then again, there's this, there's a bit of negotiation, you know, going on. And I'm, I think I'm happy to compromise to a point i think there becomes a point where i would compromise to the point where that compromise is really negative for me and is getting away from what i want and i'd have to say so and i have to have the guts to go yeah i don't want to go there because that's too much in that direction that i don't want to go you know um so when someone says i was really enjoying that description i was really enjoying the game but i couldn't picture the the, the dungeon very well could you like draw it out for me yeah what do you mean draw it out for you know what i mean and i we can have a discussion about that if it was about drawing them a very quick sketch like it was a in character map with no real scale on it and all the rest of it i could probably go with that every now and then to help them visualize something but if mm-hmm. they were asking me to get out a grid and draw out the room it, uh, you know not so much um and i think having these frank conversations like the the answer is probably to play a bit, talk a bit, play a bit, talk but again, back to impatience, you know, and do I really want to spend a two hour session of my life talking to these other people about the game, how we've been having, how's it going and what we want more for the future? Well, I do, 
because I want that game to continue for a very, very long while. But of course, if you've got in your head that role-playing games are about six to 12 sessions of doing one module or one adventure, and then you move on to another group or another group of people and you play another game, then probably you don't have time for that, you know? But then you and I aren't going to probably get around a table very often because what you want is so very different from what I want, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but I feel like oh, what you're saying about there's two problems. You know, the first is it's much easier to point to other forms of art and go, I like that and I don't like that. You know, I went to an art gallery with my sister the other day and we were talking about some of the pictures we did like, and there was a few things she liked that I didn't. And we had an interesting conversation about that. That you can do that, right? Because we can look at the thing and and we can kind of talk about our various engagement with that much harder to do with a game session, I think. Yeah. But nonetheless, I think we should try and we should find the language. And I don't think we need to have a great kind of language across the whole hobby. We just need to have a language in our group you know, that we need to agree that these terms mean these things. And this is what I'm offering. If that yeah. makes sense. As I've listened to, um, your podcast over the past probably more than two years. My observation just from the outside is that there's a shift and correct me if I'm wrong, but it, are you heading toward a new kind of mission statement with role play rescue where previously this is all my wild postulation where previously it was, you loved role playing 20 years ago get back to it because you love it and that that would have been you know when i when i was first listening and now it's is it shifting over to a new mission statement of don't just return to generic role playing but actually find this specific list of things you do want and don't want is that your new focus i don't know um, so I just wrapped up season nine and um, I'm want, I know that there's a season 10, but I don't know quite what season 10 looks like. Um, but I do, I'll tell you this. I know that Roleplay Rescue, when it started, what Roleplay Rescue meant was rescue people from the real world and bring them back to Roleplay, like role, rescue their hobby, right? What Roleplay Rescue is starting to mean to me is, no, 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 rescue role-playing from like mediocrity. Now, that sounds outrageous. I feel like there's a manifesto in me. Um, I think Barney Dicker is the one who gave me that word. Um, But I do think there's a kind of manifesto for not like how, like all gaming by any means, but just for like what I want. And I feel like I'm trying to find the way of explaining it and bringing it to people. And what I'm at engaged at at the moment is starting to play in a different way. And I think that I almost need to sort of go away and do that a little bit and then come back and talk about the experience that we're having and the problems that we've had and the struggles that we've had. And, you know, and, and essentially I think over the next few years, I feel like the, the task I'm engaged on is a sort of a creative act of trying to figure out how to help. If you wanted to do this, here's how to do it. A sort of the methodological guide to, like how to discard all the baggage, uh, what do you really need and how do you get going? And here's some of the pitfalls and here's the things that have gone wrong for us and where we fixed it or where we partially fixed it, all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, so rescuing my role playing from what I consider to be sort of the middle ground, which is kind of pretty mediocre to me. Um, it's going to sound outrageous. I'll probably get loads of hate mail for saying this, but you know, Dungeons Dragons 5th edition for me is the most mediocre, mediocre, role-playing game product 
You know, it's it's absolutely aimed at the most sales possible and not at any particular experience. And it's great at doing everything and sort of nothing. Um, it's brilliant for introducing young new people to the hobby. I have to say that, you know, it's great for that because it just presents this lovely... Uh, what everyone thinks role-playing and D&D is all about is summed up in that product. But what it could be, um, it, it limits, I think. You know, it kind of is a sort of a set of parameters that it, it tends to encourage. Um, and it's not that it's a bad thing. I'm not talking about bad, wrong fun. If you're having fun with that, great. I'm not. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm off here. I, I described it in the end of my podcast, you know, the end of the last season of, or I feel like I'm wandering off the page into uncharted territory. Um, I feel like I'm the heretic. I feel like the outsider again, but I'm kind of okay with that now. I'm kind of like, yeah, um, I'm going to go off there and maybe take a few people with me and we'll see what happens. Um, and it'll be dangerous. It might not work actually, you know, what I'm wanting. I may never quite, get there but i'm i kind of want to die trying if you know what i mean mm. um and uh so yeah what is role play rescue become i think it's going to become a kind of uh, more practical how to e over time a little bit more like they've had this experience these are some of the things that we come up with so I, I think there's an episode to be had on almost every question you've asked me today now there's an episode to be had on how do i start a game there's an episode to be had on like what you know why don't we pause in the middle of games sometime and talk about it you know that that this whole idea of like each of those eight engagements that the MDNA theory comes up, there's probably an episode on those because each of them, it has its own needs and, and wants and, you know, it's okay. And you should, we actually individually, I think should think about those. This is the only language you've got. So we might, you know, it might be coming from computer gaming, but it does have some veracity, you know, in a sort of scientific tested way we should talk about it we should think about you know what am i after in my gaming um and and i feel like step by step you know that's where i'm going with probably season 10 will be this kind of anxious treading out into the wild you know with a machete in hand uh yelling a lot about like this is this is hard but also this is the different direction um that i want to go in and um i i get the feeling i'll lose lose i'll lose a lot of people um because what i'm doing isn't for them and i guess maybe that's okay um too you know um if I, I come back to that thing. Like if someone gets in touch with me down the line and says, Hey, you really helped me to get something deeper out of my gaming. Thank you. Then it will have all been worth it. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I accepted long ago that I'm making this, uh, my own role-playing game for just a tiny handful of people. And on the face of it, it's a ludicrous proposition, you know, spending years. Um, but I mean, uh, I don't have a choice. My brain wants me to do this. Who, who might yeah. argue? <laughs> no, I, and this is the thing, like, um, it's that or give up. You know, I, this is the other side of this coin. And so exclusively, I will tell you now, you know, in the last few weeks, I have been seriously sitting there thinking, should I just give, sell, or get rid of all this stuff and just stop? Because well, the games I'm playing in are um, not what I want, you know? So maybe I should just go and find another hobby. Uh, after like 40 years of doing this that seems like that seems like ludicrous on one level but absolutely we should ignore the sunk cost actually because yeah. you know that's a whole load of sunk cost time effort everything but when we're making decisions about what how we lead our lives you know i just turned 50 and you 
you got to ask yourself, you know, am I enjoying this? And why am I doing this? You know, it takes a lot of my time, a lot of my energy. It's deeply rewarding to me when I sit and create some part of a world and evoke characters and all the rest of it. And then I bring them to players and they engage with them. That's deeply rewarding. So it isn't about giving up the whole thing. I realize it's about giving up a lot of it. It's about giving up the new product buy. It's about giving up. I mean, the industry is going to hate me because, you know, I'm yeah. saying don't buy products. I'm saying find something you can use and adapt. You know, I'm going to do an episode on beginners buy rule set rule books. Um, you know, I think um, really uh, gamers who are in the depths of a great campaign are going to rewrite that rule book. You know, that's, that's the truth of it. So this has been great, Shay. Do you have any uh, closing comments for listeners, for the gamers out there? Yeah, I guess so. If you are, if you did play and you're not anymore, then for goodness' sake, play. Um, and just uh, for that, I was just just buy a game and run it in the regular way. Okay, and I'm going to use that term, the regular kind. You know that go and get yourself D&D 5th edition and play a game. That's fine, right? Absolutely good. Get back to the table because that's the first hurdle. I think following that though is start paying attention to what you enjoy and what you don't enjoy and um, start like thinking more deeply about what it is, the experience that you want. Um, I think you've said this before, Daniel, but you know, every artist, you know, chooses the tools for the outcome they want. I think many of us are turning up. We're not asking the fundamental question of what's it for? You know, what, what experience am I after here? We're not asking that question. It's a fundamental design question in anything that we do. And I spent 30 years not asking that question. Right. So it's painful. So ask the question, what's it for? When you're playing, what's it for? Are you just wanting to get around the fr- table with your friends with some beer and some pretzels I don't know why you eat pretzels, honestly, at a game table. But anyway, you know, um, you just trying to do that and hang out with your buddies. Um, and is a role-playing game the best thing for that? It may be. It may be not. You know, maybe a different board game or card game or something else, right? But if that's what you're doing with your buddies, or if you just want to get around and, and talk, then get around and talk. It's okay to talk to your buddies. But if you're after something that role-playing games specifically offer you, and there are many, many things they offer you, um, you know, whether it be a storytelling experience or whether it be, you know, a combat-driven kind of detailed um, simulation or whether it be this kind of invocation of world thing that we've been talking about, whatever it is, go lean into that. You know, I absolutely tell everybody, you know, if you want a, a really great narrative, a story experience, then you don't want to play in D&D. You want to go and discover like the Power Bar and the Apocalypse and all those other games that um, boggle my head personally, but which are amazing for the people who play them, you know. Um, go lean into that bit of the hobby. Find a product that helps you. But I will say this. I think that... I think when we begin, we take a printed published game and I think we are always going to end up adapting it to our means. And I think we shouldn't be afraid of that. Um, I think like beginners do buy a game and run it as written. And I think over time we deviate from what the game designer imagined. And that's good. That's one of those strengths of role-playing games that we have this kind of built into our DNA that we will fiddle with it. So the third thing is then when you've figured out the direction you're heading in is do not hesitate to fiddle with it and make it what you want it to be. Um, And I think then just ruthlessly um, remove everything that stops you from getting the experience you're after, you know, like the great painter uh, or the great, um, you know, musician or whatever, you, you know, you, apply what you need to the 
to the art because it is art, I think. Um, and that's my rant. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Like Britney Spears is not art. It's pop. <laughs> and, and there's a, there's a gargantuan difference. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Well, great. Uh, Che, this has been awesome. Uh, get to have you on the answering end. <laughs> I, I love it. I don't get to, I have no editing, so you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks Jay. Let's, uh, keep chatting on one podcast or another and keep, uh, keep moving in this direction of identifying, I mean, not just for ourselves, but like just for everyone, like mm. helping people do this, get on the same page. It's golden. Yeah. I just want to say thank you for all that you've helped me with because you know, you've given me language. Other world immersion is one of those sort of phrases. You've given me um, different ways of thinking about it and different approaches that we've talked about on our on my show. And yeah. you know, thank you for sharing all of that. The incredibly generous act of putting that out there. Um, I just want to say thank you. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, man. All right. Talk to you later. Cheers. Yeah.